That's right. Take out your girl cocks. I'm back, guys. For another episode of the Get Smoked MMA podcast. It's your host, Dylan Dow. Dylan D. Uh, MMA. At the Dylan D on Twitter. MMA. Uh, yeah, since for a couple weeks. Last week, I was trying to throw something together. But honestly, too many changes. I didn't even do my tapology page. Dogman Prophecy for that card because of too many changes. And honestly, I was just not really feeling too inspired by the card. I know it ended up being having a pretty good main event. We'll talk about that a little later. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I was even thinking about talking about the Invicta card that happened during the week, and I even had recorded partial way through, and I was just like, you know what, like, I don't even know a lot of these fighters, and I don't even want to, like, shoehorn this in there just so, just to have an episode. I know I've probably done that in the past 13 episodes that I've had so far. And, like, honestly, I know I, I read people's Twitters and stuff, and I realize a lot of the time that, you know, there are people who are much bigger fans of combat sports than I, even if I consider myself a, a fairly big fan of MMA. It's it's hard to keep up with in this in analyst game and be uh, I guess not just good at it, entertaining and uh, this isn't leading to me just saying oh I'm not gonna do my podcast anymore or whatever. I'm just saying like it's. I'm still trying to find, like, what my niche is here, people. We're 14 in, and I'm really struggling finding, like, what, how do I differentiate myself? Because there's so many technique snobs and, like, at Combat Chronicles is a great example of a guy that, on Twitter, who... I look at, and it's like, man, this guy's just got so much combat sports knowledge. Like, I don't think I'll ever reach, like, that level of being a recall, you know? And, like, he's just a just a super nice guy in general. Please, uh, if you're listening, follow him. He's got way more followers than me. And he has his own podcast, so... Uh, you're probably listening to that already. Maybe you just listen to me and then go listen to him. Anyways, I, I uh, full disclosure, I have not listened to his podcast, but I'm sure it's, it's pretty good. Um, he's his ability to recall and his uh, uh, just his, you know, and this goes from you know, boxing, MMA, and I'm not sure how well his recall is for, like, Muay Thai and kickboxing is, but I know it's fairly good for boxing and MMA. And for me, it's mainly just MMA. Um, But, yeah, just to shout out another fellow MMA Twitter analyst, who I feel is pretty good, was a 
fairly big following who called out Cody Garbrandt for, you know, doing some stuff to animals you don't necessarily need to do. Anyways, this is going to be a, looks like it's going to be a long open today. Um, so yeah, there's that. Uh, so this week, uh, since I didn't do my topology picks for Chikaze versus Qatar, we're going to do more of a looser breakdown of that. Excuse me, guys. A little gassy here in our second segment there. And it's still just going to be top to bottom. We might just go a little quicker through that than normal. And then we'll go into the pay-per-view. And I might just make it more of a tradition with the COVID era that we have that I just start making it the podcast on Thursdays that might hurt me a little more and and just to go back to not having the podcast on last week even though there's a UFC card full disclosure again I had listened to podcasts from more prominent people from last week and I feel like I really want to come in cold to the cold when I do my own podcasts. And um, and the ones that I typically listen to are, you know, just for the three that I'll, I'll that I basically are the ones that I listen to if I listen to any in the week will be Heavy Hands, uh, Protect Your Neck podcast, Dan Tom's podcast, and then the MMA section. I haven't really been listening to Heavy Hands. I don't think Dan Tom's been releasing um, his podcast as much anymore because he's been busy in things. But MMA vivisection, I am pretty much a religious listener of Zane Simon is someone who, and Connery Bush. Connery Bush first, I've talked about this before, uh, kind of shifted my thinking about MMA a long time ago and helped me understand, like, there's thought process going into this. Maybe in a way that, like, the fighters themselves don't realize. And uh, maybe in ways that the fighters themselves should try and implement more. But, um, so here's the disclaimer for the week. I am in no way affiliated with the people that I just spoke about. Uh, I'm not being paid by them. I'm not. I don't know them at all. Nothing of what I say is uh, like an opinion based on something that they've said. Um, but um, they're uh, that goes for camps, fighters, uh, promotions, all of that stuff. Um, also try to be respectful of people that are talking about both the technique and all that. So let's just get into the second segment here. Sorry about the phone there. Alrighty, folks, we're in our recap of Chikaze versus Guitar Broad Strokes. I uh, wasn't too jazz for this card overall. Lots of changes. Um, lots of decisions in a row. Uh, and then only two finishes overall. Um, 
a card with not a lot of name value and not terribly exciting fights. Um, I mean, there were a couple fights that I enjoyed overall. We'll get into that. Um, I guess I did enjoy TJ Brown versus Charles Rosa. Charles Rosa just has fights that I like to watch. Um, uh, the read was Charles Rosa going up in a weight class. Uh, he's a grappler that typically just doesn't go well. Moving up to lightweight to take on TJ Brown, he takes the L. Moving on, uh, Brian Kelleher, men's bantamweight, taking on Kevin Kroom, who had fought previously at men's lightweight. Uh, Early on, Kevin Kroom having success with leg kicks, really chewing up Kelleher's lead leg. Kelleher surging in kind of the half way through round two with like body work and uh, Kroom kind of slowing down. And yeah, good win for him. Not really a name opponent. Doesn't really do anything for him. Courtney McGee kind of having a domineering veteran win over um, uh, Brahamaj. I would have picked Brahamaj going in because I think Courtney McGee's washed. That makes me look stupid. Moving on. Uh, Jamie Pickett beats Joseph Holmes. And kind of a slot fist clinch battle. Uh, didn't kind of, he kind of messed up Joseph Ugly Man Holmes' face by the end of this one, appropriately giving him his, uh, what I'm trying to say, gave him the appropriate, making his nickname appropriate here, people. The ugly, the ugly man, Joseph Holmes. Moving on, again another bout that didn't have really have much anything behind it. On to another bout I really I enjoyed, Bill Algio versus George Joe Anderson Brito. I did enjoy the newcomer Brito. Liked a lot of what he did, the wrestling, the kind of the innate fighting ability that he showed, the body work, um, just kind of got edged out there by the kind of the craftier, the slightly more depth, the depth LGO there. Yeah, this was uh, an exciting bout. I enjoyed it. And uh, not much really to add. I hope to see Brito come back. He could have easily won this bout uh, in the third round. Kind of just gassed out there and ran out of ideas. Uh, next up, uh, lightweight bout between Slava... Borschev and uh, Dakota Bush. A lot of people were on Bush here because uh, Borschev is not very notable as a wrestler, even though he is Russian and uh, Team Alpha Male trained. I think what this fight showed was, though he is not uh, really great as a uh, the. Fr- as a first shot wrestler, he is able to uh, continue the scramble. Now, well, I think eventually he'll get in trouble at lightweight if he's unable to address the for his first layer of takedown defense. But I think in terms of fighting the lower ranks of lightweight, he'll be an exciting action fighter, and he gets the finish here with a liver shot. Some follow-up punches. So, uh, probably the most exciting win on the card. And, yeah, I enjoyed that bout as well. 
Uh, next, Caitlin Chukagan beats Jennifer Maya again. Not much else to say about that one. Other than Chukagan has the longest decision streak now in history of the UFC. Uh, Brandon Royal ekes out the decision against Rodrigo Bantorin. And uh, this was a pretty decent fight, I would say. Um, seemed like Royville had early success. Bantorin kind of came back in the there in the second round there. And uh, then Royville hits the arm bar there in the third. And then uh, Rodrigo... Bontari kind of hits him with that phantom tap, I'll say, to be more politically correct. And uh, unless just racist in general. And, uh, yeah. And kind of another back and forth type of fight. Don't really remember this one as well as I remember the Brito fight. Or versus Bill Algio, but I remember not being too salty that Roy Hall had won. Um, especially considering the Ric Flair ass tactics that Bontorin had employed. So, a good win for Roy Hall to get back on track, especially in a stuff stylistic matchup for him in a rest, uh, powerful. Uh, top position grappler and bunterine. Next up, uh, a heavyweight bout between Jake Collier and Chase Sherman. And man, um, Jake Collier really just came out and uh, took it to Chase Sherman. And Chase Sherman, with all due respect, I say this as. Um, someone who's never fought in a cage and has really never gotten to a serious altercation in his life, uh, really just let him take, you know, he just kind of let Jake Collar take it to him and, uh, kind of looked like a guy who, um, was fighting for a paycheck. Um, again, like, I liked Chase Sherman, especially in his initial USC run, but I don't know what's really happening here for him uh, to cause him to... He seems like he doesn't enjoy fighting anymore, and that makes me sad to see. And uh, I hope that he can find peace doing something else if that is the case. And if he can't, I hope that he can find uh, a way to get back on track. But other than that, this is a relatively, uh, in terms of the scope of the division, there's not much to be said about it, even though it was the co-main event. Uh, next, we had a pretty crackerjack main event, I suppose, even though it was fairly one-sided. Um you know, Chikadze looked like early on he was having some success. Then the wrestling of Qatar showed up, I think, in the first round. Kind of tired. Giga out. And then it was kind of like, uh, I wouldn't say one-way traffic. Giga definitely got his offense in. But I'm surprised at the lack of kicking that was shown. I mean, Qatar definitely was in his face for the vast majority of the bout, and it's really hard to kick on the back foot, too. So, but it can be done. And uh, so, you know, it's uh, back to the drawing board for Giga Chikata, even though it could be Calvin Qatar nine times out of ten. And uh, for Calvin Qatar, 
it's hard to determine maybe a fight with someone like Brian Ortega. I've heard people talk about potentially wanting to see that bout now. You know, two guys who got brutalized by Max Holloway. Let's see who's the better guy now. You know, type deal. I think that'd be interesting, relatively. Uh, it's all about, uh, I think for me, it's just got to be, it's like, uh, maybe just have one card where it's just like really good. One time. Just one time. And maybe we'll get more into that on the other side when we talk about this uh, main event because I just don't know, like, the people paying $75. Yeah, let's just talk about that a little bit in the third segment. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and I was like, you know what the secret is to having like a really successful show is nowadays? It's to have past success doing and having fame and something else, and then having guests on, and then you just suck them off for, you know, however, you know, 10, 20 minutes, however long you have them on. You just compliment them, say they're the hardest worker you've ever met. You know, like, you've looked up to them all your life. Uh, just, you know, you know, incessantly, like, like, that's all you have to do. In order to have a huge platform nowadays is have past success doing something else besides talking. I don't know what that has to do with anything, but we're covering USC 270. I guess it has something to do with something. It's Pat McAfee I'm talking about specifically when uh, we're uh, talking about people who have past success doing other things, and then they just talk to people. It's just a conversation I'm having where I just suck someone off like Dana White, and I just tell them, oh, man, you're just killing the business. Oh, Dana, this card is maybe the greatest card of all time. Oh, how do you do it, dude? How much? I don't even know if your 10-inch cock can fit. Anymore into the back of my throat. Alright. Enough of that. But. Um, we're looking at this card. And. We look at this pay-per-view. And. It's a pretty lackluster. I'm just going to say. For a two title fight card. If Francis Ngannou. Or you know. If Francis Ngannou gets COVID. Or something got. You know, knock on wood, God forbid. Like, this is not worth $75. And, I mean, no pay-per-view is. No UFC pay-per-view is worth $75. And, like, this, the barriers in the entry to being a fan of the sport is so crazy. Already, it's like $80 to watch pay-per-views a month. Now, it's... I just don't, you just have to be rich in order to enjoy this sport now, it feels like. But anyways, I digress. Bottom of the top. Uh, let me bring up Odd Shark here. That's what we use. I know my visitor section uses something else. I don't give a fuck. I might speed through this one. I might take my time. Who knows? It's wild card season. It's it was hot boy summer a couple of years ago. Now it's wild card season. Uh, where is this some bitch? Oh my god! 
producer. What? Dude, I'm seriously going to put the producer in the box tonight. I'm, I'm so angry. I'm so angry at them. Right now, you know, you guys have no idea. Okay, here we go. We've got the the odd shark up. We're gonna switch right over to the tapology page. Uh, I'm so sorry, guys. I thought that I had this all set. And here we go. There we go. So we have, we're going to start with what appears to the best of my knowledge from what I could find to be a woman's straw, a woman's flyweight bout between Jasmine, just Divisious, and Kay Hansen. Um, and just to start off, um, I'm just gonna say I don't like this bout for Kay Hansen in the slightest. Uh, Jasmine just Divisious is five foot seven. Uh, Kay Hansen is five foot two. Uh, Jazz Divicious has a 68 inch reach. Kay Hansen has a 63 inch reach. It's going to be five inches of reach. Um, I can give you other intangibles. Stuff that I don't even necessarily want to like bring up about King Hansen's personal life or dealing with her struggles with like her eating disorder, having to come to terms with that. Like, I feel horrible even having to say that. Like, her entering this fight, still having to cope with that. And that's not even having to. Talk about her going up a weight class, fighting a bigger fighter who uh, on the contender series, you know, she looks like she's, I mean, you know, she's just as experienced as Kay. I mean, she's 32. This is why I kind of feel bad for Kay Hansen in a lot of ways. They kind of just... This girl's career feels really mismanaged in a lot of ways. She... Uh, she's 22. And... She's going up in weight as a grappler. And it's just... Man, like... Like, she's going to need to get this to the ground. And she fights with a profound sense of uncomfortable energy when she's not on top. Like, and I don't know if she's going to be able to do that with someone, with a woman who's significantly bigger than her. And there's been examples of where that's that's also just been the case. I mean, there's been examples of uh, where it's, you know, also not been the case, too, I guess. You know, where she's she's fought like Jinyu uh, Frey, be able to, you know, submit her. But that's also someone who's also, like, one of the most... Uh, just doesn't throw punches people that fights in the UFC or did. I'm not sure if she's still in the UFC or not. And 
also, if you look at the Corey McKenna fight, that could be a case of bad judging, too. So, you know, I wouldn't say she's completely out of it, this one, but I would definitely be staying away from this one, especially with the just the way she fights. It's like, it's, it's, I'm uncomfortable with it. You just gotta say. And the odds are, I'm not surprised. Kay Hansen's the name here. She's the minus 230 favorite. Might be able to get a steal here, folks. Jasmine Jess DeVicious is the plus 180 underdog. Next fight, we have Matt the Steamroller for Vola taking on, or that might be wrong, um, topology, so excuse me. No, that's correct. Steamroller for Vola taking on Gerard, Gerardo. Valdez, uh, Matt Favola is a lightweight bout. Uh, Matt Favola is a veteran of the UFC at this point. Um, Valdez is a UFC newcomer. He's mostly fought at Luke's, which is... I don't know. That's just going to be a problem for me. If you're picking him, I know that Matt Favola kind of has this. For at least for me, he has a pseudo glass cannon status. He can really come out and do some damage, or he can get really leveled. But you know, you gotta gotta look at. Like, Terrence O'Kinney, he kind of just does that to people. And I know Valdez, if you look at his record, he is he's a finisher. But it, that's in, like, Luke's. And I just don't trust that organization. I'm sorry. As, like, a competent level of competition, Matt Vola is, uh, you know, I think he's really quite good. Or better, better at least than his last fight indicated. Um, I think he's going to get his wrestling, grappling involved. I think that's actually when he's at his best. It's when he's mixing all levels of his martial arts. I think when he's just trapped in his striking, people are just hitting him. And, I mean, I say that, but he's, like, getting knocked out in, like, 30 seconds. But, again, that's, like, Terrence McKinney. That's just a guy who does that to people inexplicably, it seems. So, the pick is going to be Matt Frivola. Um I'm not surprised he's the minus 190 favorite. Uh, Valdez is plus 150 underdog. Next up, we have Vanessa Demopoulos versus Silvana Gomez-Juarez. And I'm just going to pick Vanessa Demopoulos because I think she's the better grappler of the two. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but... That's just going to be my pick. I don't really have I don't really have any value in this fight when it comes to this card, and um, I spent a lot of time talking about Kay Hansen and Jasmine just delicious. So I'm gonna keep this one short. Um, Demopolis is the minus one forty favorite to. Uh, Juarez is plus 110 uh, underdog. This would probably be like even odds. You know? No reason to be separated at all, probably. Um, where is it? Moving on, we have Tony Gravely taking on USC Newcomer. Simon Oliveira. Now, 
I kind of want back and forth on this one, uh, people. And, uh, you know, with Oliveira, you know, they're the same age, same. Same a lot of things here. The only thing that really separates these guys is that Tony Gravely seems to really like being submitted. Um, and he gets tired. And uh, Simon is quite the submission grappler, apparently. Uh, he has, to his credit, currently, you know, this is silly to do, but we're going to count them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, Eight. So, out of his 18 wins, he has eight submissions. So, that's basically why I'm picking Simone. I don't really have too much to say other than uh, I like the hot streak that Simone is on. And... Gravely seems to be on the downswing of things himself. He's also just fought every time he takes a step up in competition, and that's like excluding Nate Manis, really. He loses, and sorry, don't mean to be hate to be a jerk saying that. It's like Patchy Mix, Brett Johns, but he gets finished too. So the pick's going to be Simon Oliveira. Not, not incredibly confident about that, guys. So looking at the odds here, on our pretty little website. It doesn't look... Uh, Tony Gravely is a minus 250 favorite to Oliveira's plus 200 dog. So, what do I know? Next up, we have... Sorry, my housemate has COVID. Jack Della Maddalena versus Pete Rodriguez. And man, from my recollection, uh, Mr. Jack Della, they were absolutely sucking this guy off on the Contender Series like nobody's business. And I'm not entirely sure why. He has an absolutely flat nose. No offense. That's just the way. I'm not a great looking guy. You're a much better looking guy even though your nose is flat. That's just the way life is. And I don't really know about much about Pete Rodriguez other than he's got nine amateur fights. So don't let that 4-0 record fool you, people. This guy is more, actually more experienced than uh, Jack Della. And uh, so it's a little difficult picking here. And I don't want to tell anyone. 
it is he's fought an icon fighting federation uh Pete Rodriguez that is and the one thing about Mr. Della is he does get hit in but he is kind of like a slick counter puncher kind of a one shot of a time sniper but he can throw in combination off the counter um I think that's going to be the difference here. Um, I think Mr. Rodriguez is going to really be trying to use his athleticism to win the day. And once you start getting up into the upper echelons of the MMA, I know that can take you, that can, depending on the weight class, that can really take you to heights, sights beyond seeing, but. I'm going to side with the New Zealander here and uh, take Jack Della and hope that uh, Technique will win out besides swinging and banging here. But maybe Pete Rodriguez will surprise me, as I often am in this glorious sport we call MMA. It's like my Howard Cosell. So, looking at the odds, Jack Della is minus 330 favorite to Pete Rodriguez's plus 250 underdog. There's no reason those odds should be anywhere they should be. Jack Della still had to get on a plane to Anaheim through all the crazy, not crazy, just saying through all of the COVID protocol he had to go through. That's stuff that he had to deal with that Pete Rodriguez did not. So please, minus 333 makes really no sense other than we know who Jack Della is and we don't really know who the other guy is. Next up, we have... Um, Michael Morales, who is a 22-year-old Colombia, no, Ecuadorian. Is this one of the first Ecuadorian fighters in the USC? I think I remember this guy from Contender Series. Freak kind of athlete. The type of guy you really have to respect if this is the gentleman I am remembering. Because I... And if it is the gentleman I remembering, I don't think Trevin Giles will respect him at all. And he will probably be KO'd, in fact. Uh, because even if uh, Trevin Giles, let's say, will be uh, have the old man strength on him, Or is this like a short notice type deal? Twenty-nine. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, if this is like a striking bout, I really feel confident in picking uh, Michael Morales because he's just so fast and powerful. If it's at 185, uh, Trevor Giles is just going to be eating a lot of very powerful and fast strikes that he's going to think he's slick enough to get out of the way of. So that's going to be my pick. Uh, I don't think the odds will be indicative of that. Trevor Giles is the plus 100 
dog to Michael Morales' minus 125 uh, favorite. So look at that. Maybe the people see it now too. Next up. We have I'm sorry, your people. I don't ever loves the fucking dead air. Honey Barcellos taking on a fellow journeyman. A more advanced journeyman than Victor Henry. Oh, man. This guy went on a heck of a streak before being defeated. That stinks for him. Fighting in Japan mainly for Victor Henry. I don't think that's going to matter. He doesn't look very physically. I mean, that's what it boils down to. That's kind of what Victor has held Victor Henry back. Mainly in his career as a journeyman is that physically he cannot match up with the upper uh, the upper tiers of bantamweight and Harry Barcelos is both technically a high tier fighter and both high tier fighter and athletically a high tier fighter and should be fighting that but he's fighting Victor Henry who is uh I shouldn't say. You know, is a credible opponent. Shouldn't be discrediting him, and should be taken ser- taken seriously by Jaime Barcelos. But I think he should handedly win. Um, the odds are Jaime Barcelos minus five twenty, Victor Henry plus three seventy. Odds should not be that separated. But I love me some Honey Barcelos. One of my guys. I had a few of my guys on this card, even if I'm saying the pay per view is crappy. Kind of. Next up, we have. I'm going to take a break. Actually, I'm going to take a break briefly, and then we'll come back for the rest of this card. All right? You're going to get smoked. And we're back discussing Tate, or I should say uh, Vera versus Tate. Like I said, it wasn't the worst card in the world, but it wasn't certainly wasn't the best and wasn't didn't have the most appealing fights to, you know. Of course, I had like some DraftKings stuff, and that always builds, like, its own narrative. You get into the fighters, but really, like, this is, like, something that, I don't know. If <laughs> There just wasn't much meat on this one. It's really all I have to say. Um, and starting with our, you know, bottom-to-top format, we'll go... Uh, I picked Luana Pinheiro to defeat Sam Hughes. I did not watch this fight. I was not able to catch this fight. Uh, it was a split decision. Uh, from what I saw, I did catch like the highlights. It did look like a bit of suplex city, like what was predicted. But <clears throat> yeah, I am. Yeah, I feel like there's not much a. Uh, Gardner from this. Sam Hughes is a, is probably going to get cut, and she's not a USC caliber fighter. And Pinheiro is. So and that's what we said at the... I don't want to be so flippant, but that's kind of all I have to say. Next, we have Shinyang... I'm sorry, guys. Shailan Nurembeke defeating Sean Soriano. <laughs> and this was a case of uh, Nurembeke 
having just better wrestling and Sean Soriano having a good first round and kind of folding in the last two. <laughs> Excuse me. But, yeah. I mean, good word for Nurembeke. He did... I did think he lost the first round. And he was able to turn up the wrestling grappling as the... As the two rounds uh, went on. So, good one for him. Kind of a couple of uh, not really notable fighters. So, not really much to say other than that. Uh, decision went for Nurembeke. Cody Durden defeats uh, Keelang Iori by decision. This is a close one. I did like this fight. Personally, I was invested in this you know there's some cool things Durden did in the fight he did like a kind of like arm drag type deal in the second round I think and this is just like a close like gritty you know iron sharpens iron type of fight and then Cody Durden decided to be all xenophobic and told Keelang Yori that he had to go send him back to his country so he basically destroyed all the goodwill he would have gotten from, you know, beating this guy in a really close and I thought pretty fun fight. So uh, I picked Durden to win this. I did not, I should go back. I did not pick Nurembeke to beat Sean Soriano, uh, just to be clear. And yeah, so Cody Durden kind of like, Who's really ever going to know about that guy, really? Not very impressive stuff. I got to say, like, he, he did some stuff that I thought was cool, but it's like, this is also like the lowest tier of flyweight that he's doing it to. And he struggled mightily doing it. So I don't expect big things out of him going forward. He uh, challenged Jeff Molina to a fight. It looks like he accepted. So, yeah. Moving on, we have Lupi Lupita or Lupi Godinez defeating Luma Lupumi. And I thought, you know, Luma was going to win this one after she defended the first takedown. I was like, oh, there it is. That's all she needed to do. And Lupi, this is probably one of the best fights of the night because it was like the most like closely kind of like wire thin matchup and like. I don't know, like, Luma would get some momentum on the feet, and then, like, Lupita would, like, bomb on her with, like, a left hand, and then, sorry, folks, this is, like, a week or two ago, I'm, I'm thinking back to, so give me a break here, and then she'd, like, hit a takedown, a big takedown on her, impressive stuff from Lupita, who, you know, it looks like she can muscle around a 115-pounder. Especially, I, I did say on Twitter, on the Twitters, that I thought this fight also convinced me of the importance of peaking for athletes because Lupita Godinez did look like a different caliber of athlete in this fight than uh, when she fought Luana Carolina. Like, she looked much more explosive, especially in the second and the third round where she definitely slowed down against Carolina, so... Good win for Godinez to get back on the winning slate. You know, just keep winning. And now she wants to keep fighting again. And she asked about, I believe she asked about, you know, not fighting on this because there was no card this week anyways, but on another card in December. So we might see her again. And, you know, for all of us Muay Thai guys, for all the people who like Muay Thai or whatever, uh, Kind of a sad win for Luma. A sad loss for Luma in that case. I picked Luma, by the way. Moving on, I had, I picked Natan Levy to defeat Hafa Garcia. He did not. In a kind of scrappy, kind of back and forth. Uh, Levy looked super skittish early on in this bout. He kind of... Then Garcia kind of slowed down towards the, you know, the half point of the fight, and Levy definitely kind of slowed his 
<clears throat> stuff down. He's able to be a lot more calm and he was able to, you know, throw techniques without just like, you know, winging them and going like crazy. So, uh, I was actually impressed even in a loss from Levy. So he showed durability and he did show some, uh, you know, some skill skills on the feet. So I'll be excited to see more from him. He's not that young though. I believe he's like 30 years old. So this might be like a finished product type deal for him. Good one for Alpha Garcia just to get a dub in the UFC, you know, Losing two, losing two in a row, and then getting this one. Good for him. Uh, next, I picked Pat Sabatini to beat Tucker Lawson. He was kind of all over him. Just destroyed him on the ground. There's a grappling clinic, basically. Lutz didn't really have much of an answer for him. Not much else to say. I picked... Um, I picked Grant to beat Yanez. He did not. This was a war uh, back and forth. Lots of shoulder rolling. Lots of good defense from Yanez. I think they were blowing him a little bit too hard. I know Davey Grant was showing a lot of damage, but he does show damage. He's kind of a guy who gets bloodied up. So, I don't know. I thought it was closer than, you know, many people thought, but I also picked the guy, so good one for Giannis. Best win of his career. Uh, he does, he will get hit a lot. I mean, that's just, we do create critique people on this stuff, and uh, I mean, everybody gets hit, so there's that. Next, I picked Kong Ho Kong to beat Hanayaya. He did not win. He was <coughs> defeated by unanimous decision. And this fight could have been stopped multiple times, it seems. He, like, flatlined him. Kang did. And, uh, yeah, 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 super tough. Was able to just come back and, you know, slop grappled his way to the top. And I thought, you know, Kong had a little bit more grappling acumen to get back to his feet, but it seemed like... He had just uh, gassed himself hitting these big shots. And, uh, yeah, the old man's not dead yet, as they would say. So, yeah, great win for Yaya Kong. Back to the drawing board, I guess. Next, Talia Santos. I picked her to beat Joey Calderwood. She knocked her out. Or she knocked her out and then submitted her, I guess. Uh, yeah, this was a tale of physicality. This is the ultimate tale, or the ultimate tales of physicality. Not that Talia Santos isn't a skilled fighter either, just that Joanne Calderwood is, you know, everyone's sweetheart, and that doesn't, you know, sweetheart power don't help you in the cage. So, Santos really cementing herself as a contender, uh, climbing the ladder. This bout really does nothing to prove whether or not she has anything for um, Shevchenko, though. So, and Joanne Wood, I should say, kind of, kind of depressing to lose straight out of the gate and when you could have been fighting Alexa Grasso, you know, because you probably should have just waited. Like, geez, come on. But, yeah. Talia Santos got the win. Next, Sean Brady and Michael Chiesa had a bit. I turned in and out of this one, I'll admit. Uh, Sean Brady, they looked like they had a bit of a war here uh, as Sean Brady's face is fucked up. And, yeah, uh, I was surprised by that, how close that was. Um Michael Chiesa just proving how he probably utilizes his size better than anyone at any weight class, in a way. Uh, but, yeah, good win for Brady. Climbing the ranks. I picked Brady. Yeah, 
So, moving on. Did not watch pretty much any of this bout between Vieira and Tate. Uh, saw kind of Tate's face after her eye was messed up. Looks like she got jabbed to pieces. And, yeah, don't have much to, to, much else to say about that. Um, good one for Vieira to get back on the winning track. But yeah, that's the pre the recap of UFC Tate versus Vieira. In this next little bit, we'll be getting into Font versus Aldo, which proves to be a little more tantalizing card to speak about. We'll see you then. He gonna get smoked. He gonna get smoked.